This morning, if you would turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 1. So Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah is called oftentimes within, uh, within academic circles, he's often called the uh, prince of the prophets because quite frankly, he has it all going on in these 66 uh, chapters. I mean, this is the longest uh, prophet, uh, you know, chapter-wise. He, um, he also covers pretty much the whole thing concerning Israel concerning Judah and concerning even the return. So he's talking about those who are going into exile, those who then come back to exile. He is truly sort of the premier prophet, hence the prince of the prophets. He's also the first prophet. And so notice that also, you know, the book the book has 66 chapters. Do you know how many books are in the Bible? 66. Many people have called Isaiah just a miniature Bible. Uh, really, also, there are 39 books in the Old Testament. And at chapter 39, something happens from 39 to 40, even in the book of Isaiah, that really begins to focus on the Messiah, just like the New Testament does in, in the last 27 books, which are the last 27 chapters here of Isaiah. So there's an interesting sort of play there going on. I don't think it's accidental at all. Uh, this is a miniature Bible. But at the beginning here, there's, a, there's an important chapter that I want to read with you. Notice we want to start reading here in Isaiah and chapter 1 with verse 2. Notice these words. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick. And the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. And the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we should have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. 
Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations, I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. And even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. For the Lord, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for your holy word. Would you now speak to our hearts, just as you did in the time of Isaiah, just as you did in the time of the exile, the return through Jesus and his church. May your word go forth today and not return void. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Where was God on September 11th? Many have asked this question. Many are troubled by their own moment of crisis. Where was God in that moment? Why did He not do anything? I read a book many years ago that asked that question. I think it was by the title of that name. Where was God on September 11th? And His answer was very short and clear. God was where He always is doing what He always does. If we think that God sits idly beside, not doing anything, we don't know who God is. The Scripture says this, that God, speaking of the Son of God in particular, Jesus is the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. So before this thing ever even got started, He is the one who is willing to go to the cross for us. And that sets up then, if we are to be His disciples, the idea that there is no other way to God but through the cross and by the cross. And surely there is a cross for even us to bear. You see, we oftentimes on this day, September 11th, say things like, we're never going to forget. We'll never, you know, we'll never forget, but instead remember. And remembering is something that is actually holy because Forgetting is something that is sinful in the Scriptures. All throughout the book of Deuteronomy, they are told, do not forget. Do not forget what God is going to do. He's going to give you these things, but do not forget. And forgetting is sinful in the Scriptures. This is why even Jesus, when He institutes the Lord's Supper, says, do this, why? To remember Me. We humans have a problem with remembering. All of us do. And we could use illustrations of our own life probably from this past week to illustrate that very point that we forget maybe someone's birthday or where we were supposed to be at this particular time or what we should be doing at ground zero of our life. We forget. 
sin acts like this. Sin in our life acts as a fog. You've been in a heavy fog before. You're in the same place, maybe even a familiar place, but you can't see 20 yards in front of you. Things would be clear if it weren't for the fog descending upon you. And sin acts as a fog. We can be in the same place doing the same old stuff, but when we are consumed with sin, when sin reigns in our hearts, we're in a fog. We cannot see. We will continue to stumble. We need the light of His grace, Him, Himself, Jesus as the light, to cut through that fog. Another example that, I, that my dad uses that I think is, is very helpful with sin and understanding our condition is sin happens over time, just like kudzu. Are you familiar with kudzu? Yes? I mean, it's kind of a southern thing to have kudzu around, right? Sometimes you'll be driving and you'll see an entire valley consumed with kudzu. You know, it's a plant. And it grows on trees. It's like a leech, really. If you could picture a leech for the, for the insect world, this, the, the kudzu is like a leech for the, for the plant life. And it works very slowly. It just easily creeps up a huge oak tree over time. Just one vine. And you can imagine if you're the oak tree, you're like, you're nothing to me. I'm rooted. I'm grounded. I'm huge. I'm big. I'm standing here through storms. What is this little vine going to do to me? And over time, kudzu grows until it actually covers up the entire oak tree from the light. And it will destroy it. Not by brute power, but by shutting off the light. When we allow sin to reign, it shuts out the light. And when darkness comes, we are lost. Even if you're in familiar places, you are lost. Still doing the same job. Still married to the same person. Have the same kids. But you are lost. I've been reminded this week through... Uh, our C3 small group that Jesse is leading and through conversations I've had the past few weeks with some of you of how much just in this one room people are going through. A feeling of lostness even in the midst of familiarity. Ooh, it's a tough one. Of the familiar, how about that? Right here, shaking hands, giving the greeting, we can be lost. We can be lost because sin reigns in our hearts and covers us like kudzu. But thanks be to God, all you got to do with kudzu is cut the vine down at the bottom and the rest dies. And he can do that. Amen. God can do that. Amen. You see, sin is twofold. And I've been speaking about this for the past few Sundays, but I want to be clearer than I have been then. And that is, sin is twofold in nature. It has a fruit, it has a produce, something it produces in our lives that can sometimes be seen by others, covered up sometimes by us, but it also has a root. So anytime we find something at work in our life, that has a deeper root. When we see actions that we don't like about ourselves, which unfortunately a lot of times is often. Understand that those actions lead back to a root problem. But thanks be to God, 
just as sin is twofold, so too is God's salvation. It's not just to forgive us of the action, but instead to change our nature. You've probably heard of the story in some version of the frog who, or I think it was an insect that needed help across uh, across the river, right? And he and he crosses over with the help of a snake, and he and he makes this relationship. And on the other side, the snake ends up biting him. And he says, "Dude, why did you 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 just help me? Now you you bite me." He says, "Hey, it's in my nature." There's variations of that story, but I want to say this: Yes, it is in our nature, but God's grace and salvation can change our nature. Now that's something big. We're not talking about moral modification. Trying harder. We're not talking about just trying to cover up things or suppress them down that rises up within us. Instead, I'm talking about a new nature. I'm talking about a nature where there is no more trying, but instead there's power to overcome. Not power from you but from someone else at work in your life, in your life, who is the Holy Spirit. How could we remain the same if God lives in our heart and reigns? How could we be the same old person? How could we have the same nature? No. No. Instead, we are freed And that freedom that Christ brings is a freedom to overcome sin. Paul speaks of that nature, by the way, as self or the flesh. So we have sins, which are actions, plural, and sin, which is mentioned in the Bible. That divided heart, that double mind. Notice, notice the language that Isaiah uses. And, and when you read the prophets, just understand they're poetic. It's unfortunate, but we have lost. I am not even a student of poetry like the ancient people used to be. And there's something that is lost in our detailed scientific tellings of things, isn't it? It's one thing to read a reference book or a manual and a different thing to read a novel. Poetry punches us with the words that it uses, and this is what Isaiah is doing. He's using these words. Notice just at the beginning here, uh, concerning our condition, uh, Isaiah says, look, in verse 5, the whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. Drop down to 15. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. What's the remedy for the head being sick? Haven't we thought some sick things in our head? Thanks be to God that you don't, you're not privy to my head. I'm not privy to your mind. Thanks be to God that we have that grace... We can see each other's facial expressions, but we cannot hear the thoughts of others, and that's a grace from God. How do we overcome this sick head to be renewed in our mind, Paul will say? To be transformed in our own thinking. You remember 
The cause of the flood was the fact that in their imagination was only evil in that continually. What's in your imagination? Is your imagination the will of God in Christ Jesus? Is your imagination the things that God imagines when He sees people? My dad just celebrated 30 years of ministry. And one of the things that I saw that struck him about his ministry over those 30 years was the fact that when he was going to commit suicide in Vicksburg, Mississippi, by simply jumping off the bridge, he had had enough of his alcoholism and enough of himself. He had come to the end. He was contemplating that and instead turned to the good news that his grandmother had shared with him and that his mom and dad had lived out And he turned to Jesus and he said to me, he said, Son, Jesus saw this 30 years later when I turned to him at that river. Amen. Yes. What does Jesus imagine about you? And then, what are you imagining? May God cleanse our head, our thoughts, our mind to be that of the mind of Christ. He says our whole heart is faint. There is a fog that is set upon us. There is this kudzu that has grown around our hearts to shade us from the light that is everywhere. And yet we're not receiving the light. Our heart in here is bad. The Scripture says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Haven't you noticed that? Even about yourself, how you play these games with the self. People act like sometimes humans are just simple animals. We're very complex. Sometimes we need to stop and have a staff meeting with ourself is what I oftentimes say. There's so many different parts. We need to all just get together and sit down. The mind, the body, the will, the heart, the motivations, the personality. We need to all just sit around the table with Jesus and say, okay, who's on the chopping block today? (laughs) Um, No, our heart is weak, but can be strong. But our strength is not one of hardness, but of softness. The Scripture says, do not have hard hearts hardened toward God, but rather allow Him to break that hardness to give us a heart of flesh and not of stone. What does your heart look like? Just as our arteries are stopped up, just as we become hardened in our own heart, spiritually speaking, with sin, He can unclog that. He can bypass that. He can get rid of that if we would let Him. What's in your heart? Who reigns at that very basic level of who you are? Ground zero for you. Who's there? Just you? And then the hands. What, what, what have your hands been doing? What do you use your body for from week to week? 
You know, I think the solution, <laughs> uh, and as I read this, I just had to laugh this morning because I didn't even see this one coming until just a few minutes ago. But our small groups, we're, we're actually calling them holistic small groups because we actually want them to focus on the head, the heart, and the hands. You say, you know what? I don't always find that what my hands are about, what my body is about is the will of God or what I'm thinking about, my imagination about people, my own heart is not good. You know what? You're in a good place. You're in a place where you can repent and believe. You're in a place where God can meet you if you're willing to admit that. Or you can continue to hide behind the kudzu. Go back into the fog and not allow the light of His presence to burn through them. Isaiah says, look, you need to wash yourselves. You ever notice how many times there's this interplay within the Bible of us doing something and God doing something? He tells us, doesn't He? Wash yourselves. And yet, He's the one who has to do the washing. It's this interesting... And we're always asking, you know, in the philosophical realm of things, in biblical interpretation, you know, well, is it God that does it alone or is it us that does it alone? I think it's a relationship. I don't think we need to try to tear apart who does what and how much does who. No, instead, we know it's all by His grace and yet He asks us to do this thing. In other words, just like his first miracle, right? His mother said to the guys, or he says, you know, hey, my time has not yet come. And she says, just do what he says. (laughs) And they say, okay. And he says, okay, well, fill this up with water. Now, it's God who does the miracle, isn't it? It's God who transforms the water to wine, changes the very nature, huh? But, would it have happened if they wouldn't have filled it with water? There would have been no water to change. You see, God allows us, like a little kid is allowed to participate in bigger things. He allows us to participate in the big things that He's doing in the world. Let me tell you, He's doing some big things right here at Harvest Point, right here in this city, right here in the lives. Just look around the room. I know the stories that are coming out. God is on the move in people's lives and hearts. And He's preparing us to move out into the world, not to live any longer for ourselves. He's wanting to clean up our heads. He's wanting to purify our hearts. And He's wanting us to offer holy hands unto Him. Not hands that are busy creating idols, but hands that are open. Not holding on and grasping for what we want, but open hands. Just as Isaiah says here, as so does Ezekiel and the other prophets, they're always harping on this thing. God doesn't even want your sacrifices. He wants your heart. But, offer the sacrifices. Notice how that works? That's where people always get caught up with coming to church. Do I have to come to church to be a Christian? Well, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's. <clears throat> Excuse me, McDonald's makes you a hamburger. But, but, we're told to do it. We're told to do it. So you're in direct disobedience if you don't do it. And yet, 
Coming to church alone doesn't save you, but it's a place where we can meet God. It's a place where He's told us specifically, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. As the manner of some is, but instead, come, give yourself to others. This is what our small groups are doing this past week. The praise reports that I heard coming out of those groups, I'm wanting to shout, Hallelujah! Yes, thank you, Lord. God is doing something great. But if you never fill up the water, how can He ever change it? If you never give Him your mind, never give Him your heart, never give Him your hands, how could He ever change the nature? You know, my, um, I was thinking about my pappy just a moment ago. He was a great man. I really wish uh, that you would have known him. And one day... Uh, if you keep the faith, you will know him because I don't have to wonder where Pappy is. I know where he is. I know where he is. Pappy had a dog that he really liked, Black Lab, and he used to just love to show people this trick that he had. Now, he carried around peppermint all the time for kids, right? So just like uh, Bob and Deborah, they load up the sugar for kids and everybody likes them. So when Pappy would come to church, boy, he'd just reach in his pocket and it was an endless supply of peppermints, right, Uh, that he would hand out. Well, he taught this dog, and it was a really neat thing. He taught this dog to be obedient. I mean, really obedient. What he would do is he'd set that peppermint on his knee and he'd tell that dog to sit down. That dog would sit right in front of that peppermint. I mean... This far from that peppermint, salivating, just you know, just drooling. Like I mean, just you could just feel it. Like like when you put a pickle in your mouth, how it just releases. You know, that dog was just releasing just at the smell of that peppermint. But he would not touch that peppermint. He would sit there and would not lick it or grab it and run like some disobedient dog. But he would instead be very obedient. And the reason he was able to do that and control himself was because he did not have his eyes on the peppermint. That's right. Instead, his eyes were on his master. That's right. My pappy. Yeah. And he would watch my pappy. And as soon as my pappy even gave the nod, that dog would lap that thing up that very moment. <laughs> but he wouldn't move until his master said so. You know, I learned something from that. Can't look at our situations. If you look at your sin, you keep trying to overcome it, you never will. You'll fall for it every time. Don't look at your sin. We don't overcome evil with evil. And that goes for 9-11 as much as it goes for your own heart. You overcome evil with good. On that day, 15 years ago, we saw the worst of humanity and we saw the best of humanity. As we saw the pictures of people that were running into buildings that were going to fall down and be crushed. People running toward others to help. We saw the best of humanity in the worst of situations. Where was God on 9-11? Where He always is. On His throne. The question is, where are we? Now where's He? It's that 
age-old question that was asked in the beginning. Adam, where are you? Eve? Oh, we're over here hiding, God. Why? Someone told us we were naked. Tricked us. Haven't you been tricked by sin long enough? Isn't it time to stomp the serpent on the head? And not listen to his voice any longer? This can become a reality for you. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. That even in the midst of darkness, we can sing songs in the night. There's some beautiful scenes. If you read the book, Lord of the Rings, not just the movie. There's some beautiful scenes where darkness is surrounding all of Middle Earth and they're singing songs. In particular, Aragorn sings songs that comfort Frodo and the group. And you know what? I thought to myself, in our own Christian life, we walk through some very dark times. Maybe you're walking through a dark time now. It's not always bright and sunny. But if we keep our eyes on the Master... Even when we can't really see because of sin's smell or sin's temptation, we have to continue to look not only with our physical eyes, but the eye of faith to our Master. And just as, just as the sun went down on Pappy's life and he left us a legacy, we too can leave a legacy for others. That whether it's sunny or it's cloudy with a chance of rain, we can remain faithful. No matter if we're walking directly in the light or we're having to walk through the valley, we can remain faithful because He's changed us at the heart level. We're not in this thing just for what He can give us, but instead we're in this thing because of Jesus. Who He is. Not just what He's done, but who He is. Who God is for us and to us. When we walk through the dark night of the soul as St. As John of the Cross so coined, we realize that being a Christian is not about feeling like a Christian. It's not about a romantic love. It's not about a fake love. It's about a real love. And real love is not based on emotion. The old word, you know, for love is actually charity, which comes from the Latin, caritas, which comes from the Greek, really, meaning grace, charis, mercy, doesn't have just the idea of some lovey-dovey feeling. No, just do it. You know what to do, just do it. He will provide the grace and power to do it. You just start walking in that direction. Stop all the excuses. Cut off all of the evil. Cut off the vine that is blocking the sun. Instead of having and wearing that scarlet letter, that crimson red of bloodied hands, instead, allow Him to make you white as snow. To wash you until you're white as wool. He says this, your motive and action in you being willing and obedient, Isaiah says, that's where God will meet you. What's your motive this morning? What's, what's, what's been your motive this week? And then what's your actions been like? Have they been obedient? Notice this at the end here is, is conditional. 
He'll wash you. He'll make your sins uh, that were like scarlet, white as snow, crimson, white as wool. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be eaten by the sword. The Lord has spoken. The Lord has spoken is a way that the prophets just sort of say, drop the mic. That's it. The Lord has spoken. On this day where we remember, we remember the great acts and the awful acts of humanity. Would you remember the great acts and awful acts that have happened in your own life, in your own heart, in your own mind? And would you remember them in such a way that you actually are obedient? It propels you into obedience to Jesus Christ. It's not, it's not about feeling it, feeling it. That's not what we're talking about. You don't have to feel it to do it. To be faithful to your spouse, you don't have to feel like being faithful. You just do it. Forgiving others, you don't have to feel like it. You just do it. Repenting of your sin, putting your faith in Jesus, you don't have to feel something squishy inside. You just have to do it. Are we willing to allow Him to sanctify our minds, our heart, and our hands? Because if we would just reach out, look up, cut it off, turn to Him, He'll do it. Amen. He'll do it. I can't do it. I need His cleansing just as much as you do. I need His baptism just as much as the next person. And that every single day. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to allow Him... To do that, Pappy's favorite song was Amazing Grace. Have you experienced that amazing grace? I think you'd want me to ask you that. Yes. I remember him sitting when I was just a noob preaching. I mean, I was, what, 18, 19, 20. He would, he would sit there and he would smile as I spoke about Jesus the best way I could. And he'd say, son, I'm, I'm proud of you. You know what? It makes me so proud to look across the room and see where some of you have come. When you first came here to now, the work that Jesus is doing in your heart. But some of us are walking through dark times. Those of us who are not need to come alongside them. That's what the church does. That's what we do in small groups. That's what we do as believers. Just as Pappy is excited about God's grace because he knows it firsthand... You can know it firsthand today. You can start living in heaven now. Amen. But what does Matthew say? The Gospel of Matthew says the kingdom of heaven has come. And it is coming. Are you a part of that kingdom? If not, you can be. We want you to come and pray. These altars are here for you to pray. And if you come and pray and want some, somebody to pray with you, just grab me grab someone else here or wait or raise your hand. We want to pray with you. Let's do business with God in the next few moments as we ask the the worship team to come. Does sin have a grip on you? It doesn't have to. He can free you from your sin. He doesn't want to save us in our sins, but from our sins. Let Him do that today. Amen.